RNC members, on the other hand, felt like they were just completely missing the mark uh, with choosing Fox News and NBC News and Univision. You know, average Americans, let's call them, want to see Tucker Carlson and Elon Musk moderating the debate, and Vivek hit the nail on the head. Think about who's moderating this debate. This should be Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, and Elon Musk. We'd have 10 times the viewership asking questions that GOP primary voters actually care about and bringing more people into our party. All right, folks, welcome to the Sean Spicer Show. Uh, we're over the hump, but make no mistake about it, whether it's what's going on on the Hill or the court cases or so much, uh, or debate night tonight, CNN, the first unsanctioned RNC debate that's being hosted by CNN and moderated by a former Democratic staffer, Jake Tapper, who worked for Chelsea Clinton's mother-in-law when she was a member of Congress and handgun control, is going to moderate this debate of Republicans. Good job. Um, also, I want to start with some condolences. Last night, former First Lady Melania Trump posting uh, the passing of her mother. She wrote, it is with deep sadness that I announce the passing of my beloved mother, Amalia. Amalia Kanaz was a strong woman who always carried herself with grace, warmth, and dignity. She was entirely devoted to her husband, daughters, grandson, and son-in-law. We will miss her beyond measure and continue to honor her legacy. Uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to Mrs. Trump and the entire Trump family, President Trump posting on Instagram later as well. Uh, his thoughts, obviously, uh, I found some of the coverage of the media up until this, where she was in photos, rather disgusting. It was pretty explained that she was with her ailing mother. Even this morning, um, the way that CNN, our Politico framed this was, I think, undignified. But unfortunately, that's what's to be expected. Um, anyway, a lot to break down today. As I said, it's debate day, fallout from the Secretary of Defense. Reagan Reese is a daily caller reporter. She's been following the debates. She's been following. She was in the briefing yesterday with Corinne Jean-Pierre and her babysitter, John Kirby, to talk about all of this breakdown with the Secretary of Defense. And obviously, speaking of well wishes, he announced later yesterday that he had been diagnosed with prostate cancer, and this is what all of this stemmed from. Our thoughts and prayers go out to him. We wish him a full recovery. But let's break down what's going on in the debate and the Secretary of Defense issues and how the White House is responding to it with Reagan Reese. Here we go. Reagan, thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me, Sean. Okay, so tonight's debate night. Um, the difference with tonight's debate is that it's not a sanctioned debate. And you have been sort of the leader in writing about this uh, as far as how this all broke down. Can you just kind of give everybody a lay of the land as far as how it started and where it is now? Yeah, so we had four sanctioned, uh, RNC sanctioned debates. Uh, three of them, or two of them went to Fox News. One went to NBC News, and then the fourth one was the Washington Free Beacon, Megyn Kelly, and News Nation. Uh, the first three debates went to establishment media, and David Bossy, who's in kind of overseeing this whole process at the RNC, promised in 2022 with an interview with Vince Colonnese that these debates were going to raise conservative media up. We were going to see smaller outlets such as uh, the National Review, the Daily Wire, we're going to see uh, different hosts, you know, maybe Ben Shapiro, for an example. Uh, and instead, that's not what we yeah, saw. Yeah, I mean, look, just just so the audience, this is what you wrote. Bossy told Daily Caller editorial director Vince Colonnese in 2002 that the RNC wanted to give debates to outlets like the Daily Wire or Breitbart with firebrands such as Mark Levin and Dan Bongino appearing as moderators. That That's what you wrote in your article. And clearly, that hasn't happened. 
Yeah. And the second debate, uh, you know, where this all started to unravel and come to the light was when uh, there was a lot of backlash to the decision to have Univision kind of partner with Fox. You, th you, you think? I mean, you might as well have just said to the DNC, hey, would you guys like a few questions? Because I that one to me. So when you report, let's just stop and, and focus on that for mm -hmm. a second. In your reporting, when you talk to members of the campaign, the RNC members, the 168 members that make up the RNC, even the debate committee, and maybe we take those in different boxes, but what was the rationale and the, and the feedback that you got when you said, okay, explain Univision? You know, they wanted to bring in, I think that was their idea of bringing in maybe someone who isn't so establishment media to kind of reach that Hispanic vote that we see, you know, Joe Biden is kind of losing a little bit. Can we pull from that Hispanic vote and, and give it to Republicans? But instead, we saw the Univision moderator, you know, asking uh, Mike yeah. Pence about LGBTQ discrimination and Ron DeSantis about his so-called racist history curriculum. And so they really didn't have an explanation. Uh, but for the thing that, that I, and, and, and I said this at the time, Reagan, the thing that I found fascinating is I understand maybe, maybe if this is a general election, but if you think about the primary voters and caucus goers, there's not a huge Hispanic population in New Hampshire and in Iowa and South Carolina that is that that you're trying to draw into. I get that as a general election strategy, but how can the RNC possibly explain that in a primary caucus situation? I think the answer is, is that they can't and that they just try to run full steam ahead. It, to be honest, I never really got a response on that. And it, the answer was always kind of, you know, there are more debates coming uh, and that there is going to, there's going to be more, we're going to come through on our promise, which I think is what the attempt at uh, the Washington Free Beacon and Megyn Kelly was. And I, I do think that was successful. Yeah. As part of the new year resolution, did you decide you want a little financial security, diversify your options? Well, I've got an idea for you. Go visit my friends at Bishop Gold Group. They are who I depend on when I wanted to diversify my account into precious metals. I called them up. I had a conversation about what, where I was in terms of uh, my investment portfolio, where I was in terms of retirement. And we created a plan that involved precious metals, a mix of gold and silver. The best part about it is you can sit down and figure out what works for you. If you want to roll over an IRA, if you've got particular savings, if you want to hold it, if you want them to hold it, all of those things they can answer on the phone for you. And in these days of economic insecurity, this is the way to go. Diversify your account. Think about how you can add precious metals to that portfolio that you have, how you roll over that IRA or anything else, give them a call right now, 844-984-1616, bishopgoldgroup.com slash Sean, bishopgoldgroup.com slash Sean for a special promotional offer. You know, I, I've told people, like, I know for me, this is a passion project. I, I led this effort in 2016. I get it. And that's kind of what it should have been more like. I also get that debates cost money. I mean, the the, the mm -hmm. Fox debates and the other ones, we're talking, you know, upwards of $3 million. Not that you couldn't do a similar situation in a smaller scale, but what was, when you, like, let's go back to those three, you know, um, audiences that I talked about. The RNC members, the 168 members, uh, and then within that, I mean, I guess there's a subset of the debate committee itself. Then you've got the candidates um, what, what, what is the, what is the feedback that you were getting in terms of how the structure was working or not? 
the candidates were frustrated. I think Why? all of the candidates, yeah, all of the candidates criticized the process except for uh, Nikki Haley very little. They were frustrated that they couldn't go on and, and choose to debate each other on different platforms. Vivek and Christie tried to, uh, you know, do something off to the side with Fox News, weren't allowed to do that. Uh, there was a big problem with were they going to be able to do the Thanksgiving Family Forum in Iowa? And so I think the, the candidates felt constrained by the RNC in what programs they were able to participate in. RNC members, on the other hand, felt like they were just completely missing the mark uh, with choosing Fox News and NBC News and Univision. You know, these uh, you know average Americans, let's call them, want to see Tucker Carlson and Elon Musk moderating the debate. And Vivek hit the nail on the head uh, when he talked about that. I heard from uh, quite a few uh, RNC members who loved Vivek's statements where he said at the third debate, he kind of called out Ronna McDaniel. Well, can I just, if, if yeah. you pause for a second, let me let me just play this for the audience right now. Yeah. This is what you're talking about. Here we go. We've become a party of losers at the end of the day. We have a cancer in the Republican establishment. Let's speak the truth. I mean, since Ronna McDaniel took over as chairwoman of the RNC in 2017, we have lost 2018, 2020, 2022, no red wave that never came. We got trounced last night in 2023. And I think that we have to have accountability in our party. For that matter, Ron, if you want to come on stage tonight, you want to look the GOP voters in the eye and tell them you resign, I will turn over my, yield my time to you. And frankly, look, the people there are cheering for losing in the Republican Party. Think about who's moderating this debate. This should be Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, and Elon Musk. We'd have 10 times the viewership asking questions that GOP primary voters actually care about and bringing more people into our party. You think the Democrats, and we've got Kristen Welker here, do you think the Democrats would actually hire Greg Gutfeld to host a Democratic debate? They wouldn't do it. And so the fact of the matter is, I mean, Kristen, I'm going to use this time because it's actually about you and the media and the corrupt media establishment. Ask you the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that you pushed on this network for years. Was that real or was that Hillary Clinton made up disinformation? Answer the question. Go. Mr. Roberts. Okay, so that was Vivek calling out Kristen Welker, who's literally sitting 10 feet from the guy saying, you're part of the problem, which she is. Yeah. And he's calling out and saying, Ronna McDaniel, come on stage if you want to resign. Yeah. And then uh, I think a couple days later, we got the story on this. He launched FireRana.com and started a petition to uh, try to get Ronna uh, to resign. Because he has a point. What uh, average Republican voter is waking up in the morning, having their morning coffee and watching NBC News and CNN? They're not. No, 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 no. I mean, like every morning I, I admit to people, Reagan, that I my media diet is very wide. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. For a variety of reasons. I love the Daily Caller. I'll read the Daily Wire stuff or watch some of the hosts there. Uh, but I also do watch the NBCs and the Washington Post and whatever, or I'll read a lot of the transcripts because I can get, I have access to a lot of it, so I don't always watch everything. But I want to see what they're saying. I think it shapes the narrative yeah. to your point. And I cannot believe that, that the RNC is intentionally allowing that to happen. Maybe at the end of the process, but remember in 2016, we banned NBC. We just said no. And, and the, yes, they were upset. Uh, even some of the candidates gave us some blowback. But at the end of the day, 
The job of the party is to do what's best for the party, the candidates and the voters, not what's best for NBC, its ratings and hosts. Yeah. And I think that is one of the reasons that they chose NBC and Fox News. What you have to say about the ratings and the hosts and the eyes and the viewership, you know, uh, they're prioritizing how many eyes this is going to reach over maybe taking this forum to a gymnasium in Wisconsin or Iowa and doing something that actually connects with Republican voters. I think that's something that these RNC members who are critical of these debates would want to see, something that represents the Republican Party and the average American more as a whole. So, you know, it's funny that you bring that up is one of the points that I made um, back in 2015. And, and I wrote about this in my book that one of my biggest, the, my sort of perfect dream, and I, I went down to Liberty University and we did site visits, was to find a venue, you point out like a gymnasium. We yeah. wanted to find someone that would host us and we would put up X number of podiums and say, okay, folks, debate. And then we would make it an open stream, meaning that if C-SPAN wanted to carry it and the Daily Caller stream it, the Daily Wire, the Blaze, whatever, everybody could do it. And we would maybe think of different moderators from the aforementioned yeah. Uh, publications, but you keep the cost low. It may not be as glitzy as everything else, but I think that Hillsdale or Liberty would have welcomed uh, a debate and said, hey, we will handle the logistics uh, and, and we could have done it in a way. But the problem is, is that the default is to always try to just appease the big guys, the NBC and the ABCs. Yeah, Sean, Hillsdale and Liberty have the capacity to host yeah. these I attended Hillsdale College. They have a beautiful facility uh, and would be, you know, have hosted many speakers on campus th during my four years there. I think that uh, they are able and willing and looking for the opportunity. You know, we're going to see these general election uh, debates. One is going to uh, an HBCU. That should be countered with a, uh, you know, a Hillsdale or a Liberty. Of course, you know, the RNC is not involved in that, but that's just an, an opportunity that we could have had in the primary uh, debate season. All right, folks, think about this for a second. Do you think that Wall Street is lying to us when it comes to our investment and retirement opportunities? We know about the 401k, we know about IRAs, but there are other options available to us that offer a lot more stability, allow us to ride those ups and downs in the market to know that we're protected. If you go to bankonyourself.com slash Spicer, you'll get to see what I'm talking about. You will get a free guide that will give you these options. Did you know, for example, that the father of the IRA is actually saying that it's a failed experiment and that it should be destroyed? Huh, that's interesting, isn't it? You can have tax-free retirement that you'll know what your tax rate will be in the future. You will be in control. You could take out money at any time and not without penalty, which you can't with an IRA or a 401k, you'd have built-in inflation protection. Your money is guaranteed to grow by a larger dollar amount uh, every single year, both in terms of the good years and in the bad years. So if you want guaranteed, predictable annual growth in your retirement account, then go to bankonyourself.com slash Spicer and you will get a free report with proven retirement alternatives that banks in Wall Street don't want you to know and that they desperately he hope that you never hear about. So go to bankonyourself.com slash Spicer for your free report. That's bankonyourself.com slash Spicer. Okay, so, so so let's just shift. So you you mentioned and you wrote about this um, in your piece 
Mm-hmm. The RNC has four debates. And then they basically say, we're done. Yeah. And this, this just so I lay the predicate for, for the audience, you brought this up a little with the candidates. Part of the, when we, in 2012, we had 22 debates, okay? And they were all over the place. One time, literally, we had a debate on a Saturday and one on a Sunday. And what people need to understand is that in a campaign, the two most valuable assets that you have are time and money. And debates are sucks of both. They mm-hmm. take time, they take money, they take you to wherever. If the debate is in Nebraska, you can't be in Iowa or New Hampshire. You have to go to Nebraska. You have to go wherever. And the, the networks don't care. They want to have it where they're going to do best. They're going to maybe have a, a station or a property that they can host it. They don't care that you would rather be in Iowa. My point is that when the networks control the process, the candidates don't get to control their schedule. They have to go there. So tonight, yes, it's going to be in Iowa and CNN's going to host it. But the candidates had to, I mean, that was the choice. CNN jumped in the second that the RNC said, we're out of the business and said, we're going to do one in Iowa, we're going to do one in New Hampshire. What was the reaction to the sources that you've talked about um, when it comes to how, how the process works now, now that it went from the RNC controlling it to mm-hmm. Katie bar the door, here comes CNN. One thing I think is important to note is that CNN made their announcement before the RNC officially decided. Yes, yes, yes. yes. I love that. It was sort of like, like they literally treated them. I mean, that was so disrespectful. It was, and I get why they did it. They were like, hey, no one's going to want to have us. So we'll just jump the gun. And the RNC sat there and let it happen. Yeah, the RNC tells me they didn't talk to CNN, that CNN made the announcement independently of themselves. I asked CNN, uh, you know, you noted that RNC is expected to make this announcement. Did you talk to them? You know, they just point me back. They're expected to make this announcement. They don't give me a It's so so disrespectful. The idea that they were like, we think you're probably going to, I mean, it's like literally like I heard you're going to break up. So I asked the girl to the dance. Right. It's, I mean, it was so like, it's kicking dirt in their face, but here we go now. And Nikki Haley and, and DeSantis qualified under the 10% CNN standard. Mm-hmm. So Vivek can't go, right? He's doing his own thing with Tim Pool on Timcast. Uh, Trump's doing the Fox uh, town hall earlier tonight, but here we go. And it seems like the candidates uh, now are subject to everything that CNN wants. And the party is out. I don't think, I mean, my guess is that the party's not, no one from the RNC is going to be attending this, but they have no say, nothing, zero, nada. Yeah. I mean, when I talked to the RNC about this, they kind of, there were RNC members who told me that they felt like the party gifted this debate to CNN. And the RNC said, no, we're not involved in this whatsoever. We didn't talk to CNN. Uh, it's kind of on the candidates if they decide to enable CNN. And uh, yeah, but they, I- they put the candidates in a horrible position. And first of all, to your point in, in, a, in, a, in your reporting, the RNC s- sent the back signal up and said, we're not we're getting out of the debate business. It's not official yet. Wink, nod. We'll tell you in a few days. And then CNN said, OK, wink, nod. We'll just announce two. And, and so they might not have coordinated together, but they gave each other bat signals way high in the air to said brightly, here's what we're about to do. We're going to project our next move. And then the RNC said, here's what we're going to do. And CNN said, got it. We'll announce two right out of the gate. And they put the candidates in a horrible position. Initially, Nikki Haley said she wasn't sure she wanted to do it. Um, and then she, she, she came, but they don't have a choice now. Every aspect of that debate 
that they're dealing with is is a CNN dictated term. Yeah. And we see this with Vivek. He aired criticism of CNN in their process. He said that they barred him uh, from the debate because some polls that he thought were going to qualify didn't qualify. Uh, and then they had a problem with if he could post the town hall on his YouTube channel. Uh, you know, if these criticisms are are true, and I've talked to both CNN and Vivek, and they're, you know, telling two different sides of the story. And uh, it's hard to tell, you know, who is telling the truth in this situation. But if we operate uh, under the, you know, decision that, yeah, Vivek is correct, then these criticisms and um, backlash that he's facing from CNN is uh, a result of the RNC's decision to back out. Uh, and they kind of have put Vivek in this situation where, you know, he doesn't get to participate in the CNN debate right. because CNN is barring him from it. So I assume, and I'm not, obviously you're not going to give away your sources, but there are 168 members of the RNC. You're talking to a lot of them. What's their reaction to what the debate committee decided? You know, they were very disappointed and I think frustrated and uh, had, you know, instantly were talking to me on the phone about just their their frustration. They felt like they they aired their frustration about Fox News and NBC. And then now they see this CNN debate. Uh, and they, again, they feel like the debate was just gifted to CNN. And then here we are handing over our candidates to a network that's openly hostile towards Republicans. Uh, and that that's not how, uh, that's not what Republican voters want to see. And that's, you know, this is a primary. This isn't a general right. election. Yeah. Exactly. And that's the point. It's a primary. It's it's to better inform primary and caucus goers, not try to reach out to new voters with Univision. Right. But let's let's talk about what's going to be on stage tonight. It's yes, it's Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis, but it's Jake Tapper and Dana Bash. Jake Tapper was a Democratic staffer on Capitol Hill. He worked for Chelsea Clinton's mother-in-law when she was a member of Congress, right? He worked for handgun control. This is not a guy, and by the way, last cycle he was accused of interfering in a Republican uh, trying to run in Pennsylvania, a guy by the name of Sean Parnell. There is, at least according to Sean Parnell, he, Jake Tapper called Sean and tried to urge him not to run against Connor Lamb. Um, I mean, Jake is a Democratic operative. That's he might have not worked actively in politics for a while, but that's his background. And now he's going to moderate. This is like one more insult to the party after another. I mean, not just CNN and how their coverage overall is, but you're literally having Jake Tapper, a former Democratic aide, do this. You know, I think it's a great opportunity for Ron DeSantis. I think we saw him thrive a lot as the governor of Florida and just dismantling the um, the left-wing media. He right. really took it to them and that's where he has thrived. And we haven't seen him do a lot of that on the campaign trail. In fact, I think it's Vivek who's the one who has really stood out in that way, taking down WAPO reporters and NBC. And so I think DeSantis has a real opportunity here to take it to CNN if they come out firing uh, against these candidates and are openly hostile to them, which I think is what we are expecting to see. So let me ask you two, two things. Number one, as far as tonight goes, mm -hmm. if Jake does full Jake and goes at them and calls them election deniers and says that focuses entirely on Donald Trump and, and cases, mm -hmm. and um, what do you think if anything, the backlash will be internally among RNC members. Is, is that when you talk about the frustration that they have? 
what 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 is, are they how are they going to release it if that makes sense like it's it's are they going to are they at the point where they're like we are ready to get out there and just saying this is a disaster or is it just like i'm really mad and i'm not going to say anything oh i think they're going to be uh openly critical uh one individual who i talked to uh, airs his criticism on twitter i've seen other tweets from other rnc members and i don't think that they want to hold this in anymore. And I think that this this could be a tipping point where they're trying to uh, you know, garner more support. At the latest TPUSA conference, there were student members of the RNC who resigned in protest. And I think that's a result of some of these RNC members kind of gathering up more support and getting can and getting people to voice their frustration with this process. Yeah, I know Tyler Bauer is the national committee man. As I mentioned to folks, the RNC is made up of three individuals from every state, a national committee man, a national committee woman, and the chair uh, of the state party in each state. Tyler Bauer is the state national committee man in Arizona. He's a member of TPUSA, Turning Point USA. He's been very vocal. And, and ahead of the next RNC meeting, he's going to gather a bunch of these students to talk about their frustrations uh, in leading up to that next meeting. And I, I, I think that rightly so. I mean, these guys were promised that they were going to come in, control the debates, as you point out, make sure there were conservative moderators. And we went from that to Jake Tapper, a former Democratic staffer. Yeah. One thing I have to wonder is if these RNC members, if there's going to be a call to kind of get uh, you know, Tucker Carlson, Elon Musk, Newsmax, maybe to put together a debate. Uh, that's something I've heard from members that they would love if those guys stepped up. Now the candidates are free to participate in whatever they want. We've heard Newsmax express interest. Tucker Carlson has also expressed interest in doing such. Uh, I'm yet to see any moves that this is going to be something that's going to happen. I, I just, I mean, if Tucker wanted to do it, right, kind of like CNN announced, I think if Tucker said, I'm holding a debate tomorrow night, everybody would be there. I mean, there's just, it's hands down. I think, frankly, not just him, but I think if Glenn Beck did it, uh, you know, or you, I mean, there's a, there's a whole host, Dan Bongino. I mean, if they said we're hosting a debate tomorrow night, a forum where we're going to let these three or four candidates go at it, they do it. Um, you mentioned Dave Bossy, who leads this committee within the RNC. He's the national committee man from uh, Maryland. He's also the head of Citizens United. He led the committee, the, the debate committee. And then Ronna McDaniel's obviously the chair. Where does the frustration go between the two of them? Is it directed at one more than another or equal? It's definitely at Rana. She's the face of the RNC. Uh, I'm not sure if many people know to direct their frustration at the debate committee or at David Bossy. You know, when you say the debate committee, it's kind of like, who is, who is that? Who is that <laughs> figure? It's just this group of people. So I think people are just directing that criticism at Rana. A perfect example is Vivek Ramaswamy calling for Vivek, uh, calling for Rana to resign, launching FireRana.com. That's definitely uh, pushing this this name out there and getting people to kind of pile on top of her. All right, folks, if you've been part of the show for a long time, you know about my friend Leo Grill from Delta Rescue. If you go to DeltaRescue.org, you can see the great work that they do as the world's largest no-kill sanctuary. That's right. No kill sanctuary, not a shelter, a sanctuary for all sorts of abandoned cats, dogs, and other animals. Leo Grillo has made it his life mission to do that. And the thing about Leo is that this was a mission 
that he started a long time ago when he rescued a Doberman named the Doberman Delta. Delta stands for dedication and everlasting love to animals. And that's exactly what they've done at Delta Rescue. If you go to deltarescue.org, you can see all the videos of the great work that they're doing. But more importantly, they rely entirely on contributions like me and you, right? So when we give them $5 or $100 or whatever, that's how they support. But Leo wants to make this an enduring mission. If you go to deltarescue.org, you can download their estate planning guide and help make Delta Rescue a part of your enduring mission as well. Go to deltarescue.org, click on that estate planning guide and see if you can join others in making Delta Rescue an enduring mission for years to come. I want to switch topics. There's one other thing I want to cover with you today because I know you tweeted this out that has to do with the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, um, this saga um, about him not notifying the President of the United States, the National Security Advisor, Congress, that he was going to be out of commission, unavailable during a critical time, during a time when, um, you know, we're facing a, a, a conflict, a war in Ukraine, obviously uh, what's going on in Israel, but but our Navy is shooting down drones from the Houthis. Uh, we fired rockets into Iraq. Uh, obviously, there's always activity in the South China Sea with respect to China, and here he is. But this is what you tweeted out yesterday. It says, Kirby says there's a lot of lessons to take from the communications breakdown between the White House and the Pentagon over Secretary Austin, such as early screening for prostate cancer, which is the diagnosis they released yesterday. What? What? Th- this is literally the biggest sleight of hand I've ever seen, which is, I and I'm, first of all, my thoughts and prayers go out to the secretary. I hope mm-hmm. he overcomes this. Uh, I, I, cancer is a horrible, horrible disease that so many Americans face. I, okay, so I just want to get that out of the way. I hope he gets the care he needs. I hope he makes a full recovery. I hope all of that, right? But the idea that he is blaming uh, the security, the communications breakdown on early detection for prostate cancer, I'm sorry, what, what, this is, that was some of the lowest communication that I've seen to basically inject that into why they didn't do their job. I left yesterday's White House press briefing uh, very frustrated. It kind of felt like uh, they, they both Corrine, Jean-Pierre, and John Kirby kind of had this look on this their face, like, why do you guys think this is a big deal? Corrine uh, <laughs> got up to the podium. She said, I'm here if you guys have any other questions, if, if there are any. And to me, <laughs> no, I never wondered that. I was like, okay, this is going to suck. <laughs> yeah. And so when he kind of threw in that, uh, you know, early screening remark, you know, I think my jaw like dropped, you know, yeah. that was not the, the main message of this. And uh, there seems to be no plans for accountability. And, you know, Sean, you can hear it. I'm just baffled by the whole situation. I, I am too. I share your, I, I, Reagan, I share your frustration because I literally am like, they've taken a situation which is so pathetic how they handled it and turned it into, you should have sympathy for the guy because he has cancer. Of course we do. But that doesn't neglect the fact that that you didn't do your job. I mean, I want to I want to play for you what, Corinne, you mentioned this. By the way, I tweeted this out yesterday. And as a White House correspondent, I think you'll appreciate this. Uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre earlier this week was uh, apparently, according to a report in Axios, getting very frustrated that she had to be mm-hmm. co-press secretary with John Kirby. 
And I thought to myself for the first time, she's like, hey, John, why don't you go, Admiral? <laughs> you can brief today because uh, that's his wheelhouse. And now he has to explain it. He had been by the, you know, the Pentagon spokesman. This is something that he can't weasel out of. He knows the protocol there, the chain of command there, the roles and responsibilities, the procedures. There's no escaping this for John Kirby. I remember when I was at the White House podium the first or second day, I'd been the spokesman for the, for the U.S. Trade Representative in the Bush administration, one of the first questions I got was on TPP, that trade deal that Obama had taken to fruition. And I'm thinking, like, I can't, I can't weasel out of this. Everybody knows that I used to be the trade spokesman. So John Kirby, he couldn't get out of this. But let me play what Corinne talks about here that added to the frustration. How did the president not know until this morning that it was cancer? How did five days go without knowing the death? That is something that we're trying to find. No, I, I hear you. But that is something that we are going to get a sense of this process, right? That's why they're going to do a review. That's why the Pentagon's going to do a review. That's why the chief of staff put out a memo to cabinets, uh, cabinet, uh, to the cabinets on protocols here to get a sense of what, uh, how they've been moving with this process and how we're going to continue to move forward. We do not want this to happen again, obviously. Uh, but, you know, we're going to get a better sense once the Pentagon does the 30-day review uh, to see how this occurred. Obviously, this is not something we want to see. Okay, so she says this process needs to play out. They need to do a review. What, this isn't complicated, Reagan. This is, you didn't tell us you were going in for a procedure, that you were out of commission. This isn't, I don't need a 30-day process. No. I don't need an after-action review. It's, you didn't tell us. Um, and, and I feel like all they need to do is ask Lloyd Austin and say, why didn't you tell us? Why didn't you make sure that it happened? Ask his chief of staff. She says she had the flu. Okay, why didn't you delegate it to a deputy? If you're out of commission, that's equally as bad. I mean, I I don't. This doesn't take the, a, a government inquiry. This is one guy and say, why didn't you do your job? Yeah, Sean. A couple things. Uh, the president spoke to Austin on Saturday, and it appears he didn't ask. Hey. Uh, Secretary Austin, why are you hospitalized? Uh, because <laughs> the president found out on Monday along or on Tuesday, along with the American people, that Austin had prostate cancer, that he had a UTI. And so right. I'm not sure if they're asking. By the way, according to Kirby says, John Kirby says, the White House and Biden found out only yesterday about the diagnosis. They they might they found out whatever January fourth he was in the hospital. They didn't find out till yesterday that it was all based on on a cancer uh, diagnosis, prostate cancer. So this keeps getting worse. They keep admitting how little they knew and when. They're communication professionals. Uh, he was diagnosed in December. He had this procedure on December twenty second, and this was also noted in the briefing yesterday. The White House didn't know why he had that procedure or what it was for. And there is a level of privacy there, but you do think that you should yeah, ask no. the Secretary of Defense when there is war in Ukraine, there's, war in there's, Israel. Yeah. There, there's two issues, right? So if you said, hey, guys, I don't want to disclose some of the personal things that I'm going through right now. I'm out of commission for the next five days. I've delegated all of the decision making per our procedures to the Deputy Secretary of Defense, Kathleen Hicks. I've made these orders known. I, I'll, I'll brief you when I'm done, but I, I'd like to keep this person. Okay, you've done your job then. You've transferred the authority, the national command authority, the military command authority, the civilian control of the military has transferred. You at least, I can give you that, right? If you said, I really don't wanna discuss what I'm dealing with right now, 
I've yeah. transferred authority. You know about it. If you have a problem, if we need to fire missiles, if we need to attack, if we need to give an order, if we need to send a ship somewhere, I'm delegating this authority. Okay. That's one thing. That's not, th there, there's two issues here. One is they hid the diagnosis. The other is they didn't even tell you that you were, that he was out. And this is, this is, let me just play this video. This is what John Kirby says when he was asked about the treatment being elective. The Pentagon referred to the surgery as an elective procedure. Technically, it may be, but isn't that at best misleading? As, as far as I know, Gabe, I, uh, uh, again, I barely got a history degree, so I'm not capable of talking about <laughs> medical stuff. Uh, but as far as I know, that phrase, elective medical procedure, came in the statement by the two doctors at Walter Reed. That wasn't a Pentagon assessment. That was the wording chosen by the two doctors. But isn't it misleading for the Pentagon to put that forward? The, the, you'd have to talk to the Pentagon and the doctors. Gabe, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a physician. The two physicians that are responsible, they use that phrase. They should speak to what that means. I'm not an expert. So he's, he's now, Reagan, blaming this on the doctors. He's saying, well, that was their word, not ours. So let me, let me ask you a question. Just me and you talking. Mm -hmm. If you call me and say, hey, Sean, sorry, I couldn't do the show. Um, I, I, had, I got really sick. I went into the ICU. Let's just role play this for a second. What do you think the first thing that I'm going to ask is? Oh, my gosh. Are you OK? What happened? Right. What <laughs> happened? What not? Not. Oh, OK. And by the way, if you say it's elective, I'm going to go. I'm not a doctor. I barely took first aid. But why would one go to the ICU for multiple days for an elective issue, right? That doesn't, gosh, that doesn't sound right. I mean, the idea that these guys were like, okay, thanks for telling us, Lloyd, we'll call you back without saying, hey, I know it's private, but I'd really like to know, are you in a tough spot? Yeah, I, I mean, Sean, how long would it take for your producer to find out that you were sick? Uh, if you had to do your your podcast, you know, you wouldn't leave your producer in the dark and just. Well, not... that's a whole nother story. But... <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I think if somebody says to me, hey, I responded to your request for comment and I didn't put uh, your comment in the story, that's really easy for me to look up and find that email. Right. And to me, that seems like what this process needs to be. Let's go pull up all those emails and take a look at them. This this 30 day window, it's like, are you filing a FOIA request, the Department of Defense? But the other thing is they, they said that he was working from home. That's not true, that's a lie. Right. And I keep, you know, to your point, I don't, it's like, I, I, I don't envy you because when you have to sit there, I would think that there's probably two pages of questions and I wouldn't know where to start, but they keep getting away with, with, I mean, that's, again, that's not true. He didn't work from home. We know that. Not only that, so two, two things on that point. One, he clearly wasn't working from home. He was in the hospital, mm -hmm. so that's not true. Number two, he had delegated authority a couple days later to Kathleen Hicks. So if you've delegated the authority, then you are by nature not working. You don't have the authority. You're not doing your job, right? And then number three, which is a little less pointed, is if you're in a hospital room and you're the Secretary of Defense, where a lot of those briefings are classified, ship movements, troop movements, uh, artillery, weapon systems, you can't just sit in a bed and go, uh, you know, hold on, put the, you know, give me some more oxygen and I'm gonna make a decision. Like that, they're, they're not being honest about how this is really going down. 
Yeah, I mean, speaking from a personal experience, it's really hard to get work done when you're not feeling your best or you're feeling sick. Normally, if I say I'm going to work from home, I'm not taking on a full day uh, workload if I'm feeling under the weather. Uh, Austin pledged transparency moving forward. Yes. It's on Saturday. And then he left the president in the dark about his prostate cancer and also why he was in uh, the hospital for this latest visit. Do you Trans- know the thing that I found interesting, yeah. though, to your, to your point, when he pledged transparency in this statement, he, his concern, with all due respect to you and, and the folks at the Daily Caller and else, was to the media. He said, I could have done a better job informing the media. You know, yeah, okay. But I don't, I actually, as an American, care yeah. more that you inform the president of the United States. Like, the media is not going to authorize a strike or send the sixth fleet or the seventh fleet forward, right? That's not going to happen. So I get that he's he's trying to placate some of the folks in the media, but he did a disservice to his boss, the president of the United States, and to the entire military. And the idea that he's pledging to be more transparent and he's sorry to the media, to me, is a further uh, exacerbation of how bad this is. Yeah, it speaks also to the Biden administration's relationship with their friends in the media. Uh, yeah. There was a story today in Politico that the White House reportedly uh, learns that the Pentagon had no plans to alert the public and that the White House <laughs> had to push the Pentagon to issue a statement. You know, maybe that's the White House trying to save face. I'm not really sure, but that is really interesting that the Pentagon had no plans to announce to anybody. And the White House ended up having to be the one to say, okay, we might need to let the American people know or or let the media know. The last thing I want to just touch on you is interesting. There's a question that Peter Ducey of Fox brought up to John Kirby. And he says, okay, well, if you guys are handling a situation like this with the Secretary of Defense, how can we be confident if there was a president, it was an issue with President Biden, that you would be transparent and forthcoming. And but and Kirby was very dismissive. Oh, come on, Peter. Da, 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 da. Well, I think it's a very, very fair point. Yeah, like you just said, I mean, you want the you care as an American that the Secretary of Defense is in communication with the president when there's all these crises happen uh, abroad that we seem to be very worried about with funding as well. So if this is something that's really a priority to the administration, you want to at least know that uh, yeah. they're talking and they're communicating about what's going on, especially if there is this threat that maybe soldiers are going to have to go over. We've heard that before. Of course. You're the, yeah. I mean, this is, we're in a real heightened uh, status. Mm-hmm. And so there are, like I said, we were firing rockets into uh, Iraq over the weekend and our Navy was fired, took down 10 drones from the Houthis. We're firing stuff. This is why you need, you know, a secretary of defense. And and I heard General Keith Kellogg yesterday talk about the fact that part of this comes down to rules of engagement. These guys are looking for our chain of command to say, yes, you can do this. No, you can't do this. Yes, you have to wait for that to happen before you can do this. That all stems from the top. You can't, until it's officially delegated in his case to Kathleen Hicks, you can't just assume that someone's going to go, oh, I bet you he's okay with us doing this. And the idea that they didn't know where to find them is a problem. Um, Reagan, I've loved our conversation. Thanks for all your great reporting on the debate. We're going to cross our fingers and hope things go well tonight. I'm sure we can catch up because I'd love to know 
from your sources how what the reaction is after the first CNN one hosted by a former Democratic staffer. Yeah, Sean, thanks for having me and definitely would love to chat about what I hear on the ground. <laughs> okay, thanks so much for being with us. Yeah. All right, folks, uh, what a great discussion. I'm so glad she was here because uh, to me, this is the issue right here is to un- make people understand the process. This is what the nu- the whole idea of the show is, right? To explain why things matter. Getting the RNC out of the business of these debates means that CNN is going to host them with Democrats as the moderators. And then they're going to do another one in New Hampshire. And then ABC is going to do one too. This is the problem. This is what they've allowed to go on because it was easier to give up. And that's a shame. Uh, we are going to break down everything that uh, that happened on that debate, plus the status of Trump's legal cases, um, everything that is going to happen. We've got a great panel tomorrow to break down all of these things. Uh, the media is taking their marching orders from the Biden campaign. We'll talk to you about that. So much happening with Trump's legal cases, the spending issues in Congress, Mike Johnson facing a buzzsaw from his own members. Please continue to follow us on uh, uh, our community or join our vip community seanspicershow.com slash vip thanks for tuning in we'll see you back here tomorrow continue to subscribe and rate us on apple Podcasts and spotify as well as youtube and rumble thanks a lot we'll see you tomorrow